some of our landings were desperate adventures. We are now prepared to meet the inevitable counterattacks with power and with confidence. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. You're listening to the first episode of Bonfireside Chat. You may be wondering, what is Bonfireside Chat? Well, I'm about to tell you. It is a podcast dedicated uh, entirely to the Souls series of games. Right now, this series that we're doing right now is for the Dark Souls uh, leg of the trip. And eventually, we're going to be moving on to Demon Souls and uh, eventually Dark Side, uh, Darksiders, too. No. I, I didn't sign up for that. <laughs> and eventually, uh, Dark and eventually, Dark Souls too. Um, Think of it like seasons of a TV show. Yes, yes. So the first season is about Dark Souls. Volumes of a comic book. Yes. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So in this first episode, just to let you know, we're going to talk a little bit about the game in general. Um, we're going to talk about uh, the first couple of areas of the game. And in the future, we're going to kind of go area by area and talk about the lore. We're going to talk about the the gameplay elements that uh, make up those specific areas and our experiences with them. Yeah. And we're going to have a uh, guest in. We're trying to be as, you know, very comprehensive. It's a show dedicated to one game so we can go to, you know, an insane, insane amount of, of, you know, decompression with this. And uh, that's, that's really what we're going for here. We can give each area room to breathe. So at the end of every episode, we will uh, let you know what's coming up in the next episode. Uh, don't want to, don't want to announce the guests too far in advance in case bookings fall through, but uh, we're excited about the people who are uh, expressing interest right now. And, and just so we're, and we're, we're both kind of veterans to the game and we are both playing through it again for the podcast. Um, part of the reason why we're going to let you know about what areas we're covering is in case you would like to play along as well. A general caveat is that uh, the show is going to have spoilers. So the the idealized you know audience member for the show is somebody who is familiar with this game. If you're playing along with us and keeping pace with us, um, the show is planned to keep a good pace for getting through the game. But we're probably going to talk about some kind of lore stuff in future areas because everything is connected in Dark Souls. So just keep that as a warning. Um, we're not going to to say spoiler warning or do any kind of nonsense every time that comes up. Just keep that as a general rule. Um, if you're looking to play the game, if you think you're playing, going to play the game, um, we'd encourage you to do so. And uh, this podcast, you know, this game has been out since 2011, so there's going to be a timelessness about this. Um, if you are, you know, a couple hours away from beating the game, if you want to beat it and come back, you know, whatever you, you need to do, yeah. it, will, it will stand up, we think. The nice part about like these spoilers and our kind of strategy towards that, we're never going to spoil like what's going to happen in a later area. Like, holy crap, this area where blah, blah, blah. We're not going to do that so much, I don't think. Um, or, you know, specific beats later on that'll be contained within that episode um, or the, you know, the episode about that area. A lot of the lore spoilers, um, the lore in this game is nonspecific and kind of absurd enough that you will not immediately recognize why that matters to you if you hear it at first glance. Right, right. I would agree with that. And I would say that uh, each each person, the, the the degree to which you care about that is going to be dependent on you and, and, and your perspective towards the game. So both Cole and I, uh, you know, absolutely, I mean, we love everything about this game. So we love the gameplay and we love the lore. Um, the gameplay on its own stands. So if you're not interested in that, that's a totally viable position to have. And uh, you will be fine just playing along with us on the, the podcast. 
Um, Cole, do you want to talk a little bit about the, the history of the game? Yeah. You know, this is kind of the name rank and serial number of it. But Dark Souls, it's an action RPG that was released for the Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3 in uh, 2011. Um, and on the PC a little bit later as the Prepare to Die edition in uh, 2012. Um, it was developed by From Software um, and published by Namco Bandai uh, here in the States. And it was a resounding success. And this game is a, a spiritual successor to Demon Souls. But its lore links a little bit closely, uh, more closely to the Kingsfield games, which are from the PS1 era. The gameplay and interface uh, barely conceals the fact that this is Demon Souls 2. But From lost the license to Demon Souls when they opted to publish through Namco instead of Sony. Yes. The game features action combat and RPG character progression and gear. Uh, there are also NPCs around and uh, some stuff you can read if you would like to, mostly in the item descriptions. Uh, Along with that, the story is told almost entirely in an indirect fashion, and it's almost never apparent where you're supposed to go at any given time because the game world is almost entirely open. Right. Yeah. And and one of the things, so just from that description, it really undersells the game. And we're going to get <laughs> in depth about what makes this special. But, it, you know, when you call it an action, so reading the description of it, calling it an action combat and an action RPG game um that really undersells what it is it's really yeah. like like nothing else so it's not like a, a god of war where you're running around killing thousands of dudes and, and gaining stats and finding loot or anything like that like it's very different than that yes and uh and to learn how i mean that's that's kind of the point of this podcast <laughs> is to make that delineation yeah i mean like like every good thing it 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 doesn't lend itself well to categorization mm-hmm. and uh you know you know like you said there, there's a lot of ephemera there's a lot of uh specific things about it that we just can't like say in the fullness of time uh you know here in this you know hour and a half podcast or however long it ends up being probably longer than an hour and a half um <laughs> <laughs> or so you know over the course of all these episodes you know yeah uh, we're, right. we're, we're gonna get to that so um, occasionally we're going to share a little bit of like trivia um, about the game, you know, just that we that, that we pick up. Um, I will say, you know, there there are lots of sources for some of the stuff uh, that's out there. Uh, one of my key sources is the Dark Souls thread and something on the Something Awful forums, uh, which is a place where I frequent. It's where Gary and I met um, to uh, you know form our podcasting endeavors. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, one thing that I found out uh, from there, and uh, you know corroborated this through uh interviews with the director of the game it was supposed to be called dark race um but they Hmm. didn't name it that because of the uh obvious um (laughs) racial connotations the the whole Django problem yeah Yeah, because it would have been a little uncomfortable just a bit Uh, yeah (laughs) but like in in a weird way it does kind of make sense for this you know the carriers Mm -hmm. of the dark sign etc but we're going to talk about the dark sign yeah. <laughs> and then just kind of finally, as we, we wrap up this this history of the game preamble part, um, if you're going to buy the game, um, which we totally recommend that you do, we're both very evangelical about this, uh, consider doing it through uh, the Amazon links on our show page. So you go to http colon forward slash forward slash duckfeed.tv forward slash bonfire. And it doesn't cost you anything, uh, but it, it does help support the show. So we get yes. a little kick of that. If you see fit to buy it, which you should, but you might not have to. Stick around yeah, to the end. Hints. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> sly. Um, so uh, there's a the game opens with a with an opening narrative that gives you a little bit of the history of the game world, and we've kind of put together um, some of that that starting kind of rephrased that starting uh, stuff and filled in some of the blanks for you. So this is yes. not a, a direct text um, to that, but uh, so you know where you're starting um, in the beginning, in you know before in kind of primordial time in the age of ancients. Um, can, can, uh, can were, I can, can I retake that for you? 
Yeah. In the beginning. No, okay, <laughs> go, go, ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, the actual narrator has a really, uh, you know, a very different voice than like the movie phone. In the age of ancients, the world was unformed. Yeah. Game. Like, it's one of the things that sets the tone of this game mm-hmm. as being different, very, very different. Yes. Um, so in this primordial age, uh, which is called the Age of Ancients, there were fog and there was dragons. Or there was fog. There were fog. <laughs> Sorry. Them french fried taters? Yes. <laughs> yeah, french fried taters. There were french fries and there were taters. <laughs> there was mustard. <laughs> there were Kaiser blades. Some <laughs> called them a sling blade. Um, opposite. Okay, opposite. Let me take yes. that again. Oh, that's staying in. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so there was fog and there were dragons. And uh, then fire came along and created disparity. So instead of there just kind of being this nothingness void, there was light and there was dark. And uh, from the dark rose all manner of life, including humanity and what are known as the lords. Yes. And that's a capital L, so not the uh, layman term for lords not like the lords of dogtown yes they're not they're These not are more serious lords <laughs> they're not gleaning any cubes no yeah. <laughs> they're, they're they're not like landholders or anything although they do they, they do hold a, a fair a fair amount of land um, i, I was whole, just whole thinking about anyway. like, a, like a ps2 like spin-off like dark souls like skating like that metal gear <laughs> yeah skating <laughs> <laughs> like that would be pretty amazing. Yeah, Firelink. Uh, it's the first uh, first level doing some mad grinding on that aqueduct. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> God, I love the story in this game. Uh, at first, I hated it. I thought that I thought that this uh, this this opening cutscene was just the the, the worst thing. But uh, I love it now. Mm-hmm. Um, so these lords and like it's it's unclear exactly like what they were before because like everything came out of this dark. Uh, but they found uh, souls in the flame. And they used uh, their power to destroy these ancient dragons who were kind of holding dominion over this uh, kind of kind of uh, land full of entropy and nothingness. A good way to think about it would be that finding these souls kind of turned them into um, almost like the equivalent of like Greek gods. Yes. So, so I mean, we don't we can't define them exactly, but gods is a really good shorthand, and we're going to use that later. Yeah. Um, during some of the areas, so think of these as, as similar to like Greek gods. Yeah, the, the the most prominent race that actually found these were were giants, but that comes up later. Um, mm-hmm. You know, just kind of like gigantic people. Uh, but uh, you know, this faction of lords that were you know going up against the uh, the, the the dragons, they were led by Gwyn, who was the Lord of Sunlight. Uh, the Witch of Izalith and her daughters of Chaos, Nido, the First of the Dead, and the Furtive Pygmy. Um, a massive war was waged against these dragons, and it was actually made successful by Seath the Scaleless, a dragon that defected from his brothers to join the lords. Mm-hmm. And this brought about a new age. So we're no longer in the, the age of uh, ancients. We're in the age of fire, which was ruled over by Gwyn and his lords uh, and his kingdom of Lordran. So this is kind of like a renaissance period. And, uh, you know, we, we never see this in its prime, but I assume this would be similar. You know, there'd be people walking around, there'd be civilization. You know, this is, uh, the, this, this is regular life. Yes. And, uh, we, we never quite get that. Um, where we, where we, were you going to say? I was going to say like prosperity kind of seems to be the, the, the order of the day at the very least for, uh, for, you know, for, for the Lords themselves, there's some stuff to be said about like the social structure of at least Lord Dran. Um, right. and some of the surrounding kingdoms, but, uh, but yeah, that was like the, the, the world at its peak before, uh, before it moved on. But where, where we come to it, uh, this first flame is rapidly dying and the world is covered in darkness. So, um, time and continuity, 
um, everything is becoming murky and the world is literally falling apart, even chronologically. Yes. Falling apart. And uh, in addition to that, there's a plague called the Dark Sign that's uh, spreading across all of the world's kingdoms. Uh, people who are afflicted with this, it looks kind of like a, like a circle that's on fire. Uh, they will rise from the dead over and over again until they turn hollow. Um, they can collect these things called humanity, uh, which will allow them to kind of stave off becoming hollow. But before that you know, actually happens, for most of them, they are locked away in asylums in order to uh, protect those who are still technically alive. Mm-hmm. But there's a there's a prophecy that says that one specific chosen undead will make a pilgrimage to Lordran in order to ring two bells and learn the true fate of the undead as kind of a race yes. or a dark race, as it were. <laughs> I, I love how vague that is. When it, you know, when I was when I was thinking about this and how to like categorize it, like nobody ever tells you what's going to happen, and like the the, the majority of it, like the last two thirds of the game, takes place after you do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you know, it's mostly about like finding out what these forces have in store for you. So like what you don't know is that like all, mm, mm, is that spoilery? Like to, like to say that like all these characters that are introduced will come back or at least figure in very strongly. No, I I think that any, any video game you see where they introduce four of anything, you can assume (laughs) that you're going to fight them. (laughs) There's Mylon, there's Rubicante, there's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're clearly bosses. Of yeah. some kind. And and it's one of those things that I, I love about the, the elegance of the way that lore is handled in this game where knowing that doesn't necessarily matter because even knowing you're going to fight them, you still are left to puzzle out why and what these specific characters' motivations are. And you can spend a lot of time digging and finding out their, their surprisingly deep backstories yeah. and histories and, and everything. So knowing the specifics of things doesn't matter as much as what you're going to discover on your own if you choose to. Or what conclusions you're going to draw from those things that you discover. I'm sorry I interrupted you, but like that, like that is the huge thing for me. I right, love right, indirect right. narrative, yeah. and that is what this is. And when they leave it, um, you know, a lot of things in this game. I mean, you know, the community has has hugely come together, and, and Dark Souls lore. Like if you you know search that on YouTube, you're going to find tons of great examples of people who have just done a ton of tons of detective work. But what's interesting is that there are very few definitive answers. So, and we should probably add this as kind of a writer, um, <laughs> you know, we have our theories, we have things that are backed up by the community and some precious few nuggets that are as close as hard fact is in Dark Souls, but we're going to draw some conjectures that are totally arguable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so if you disagreed vehemently with something that we say and you had a totally different interpretation, um, let us know. And, uh, you know, we're really interested in that, in that as, a, as a conversation. Yeah, so we're interested in darking out, darking out about uh, Dark Souls more. So. <laughs> darking out about Dark Souls, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but uh, like, what's interesting about this, at least in, you know that that discussion in the context of this scene, like the way I see it, this is the only like indisputable source of truth in the game. Yeah, <laughs> like That's it right. is. It is the only thing that is presented with fact without any kind of real ambiguity. It's the only thing that's directly told to you. Yes. So there's a lot. I mean, a lot of things happen, and those are inarguable. Yeah. You know, to to a degree. But this is the only thing that is directly like a, you know words that are spoken yeah. that you can take as as uh, truth. And a great deal of the item descriptions, where which is where a lot of the story is contained, it's speculation or it's like drawing questions. So like the person who is writing those, the voice that they're spoken in is somebody who is like a, maybe like a little bit further along than you are in figuring out where they came from. 
and then people who tell you things, you have reason to doubt the veracity of what they're saying. Right. Almost everybody. Yes. Like, uh, yeah. So this game has a lot of unreliable narrators, um, which is really interesting. It's a really interesting way to, to piece together a story. Yeah. Um, it's, it's one of the reasons why we think this, this game is worth dedicating an entire show to. Yeah, that's weird, right? Like, you, you normally only see, like, MMOs getting their own show. But this is, you know. A finite like, yeah. Finite thing. It's you know? going to end, baby. It's going to yeah. end. Yeah, and that, and that, and that's fine with it, you know, because we both super you know, feel super passionate about it, yeah. and that's uh, you know, this is almost like this is like a baby that we had to give birth to, <laughs> almost like I was not going to rest until until we we had made this thing. Um, I the, a lot of this lore stuff that we're we're talking up was lost on me initially playing through the game. Um, you know what initially caught me, and I think caught a lot of players, is just the the, the actual gameplay to it, which is. Uh, you know, damn near perfect. Like it's, it's got some, you know, quirks to it, but once you accept it on its terms and we're going to kind of talk about what those, those terms are, but it's so fair and such a great representation of, of game as a system of rules, you know, that, uh, that always are almost always followed, you know? So it's, it's, it's a very predictable machine and there's, there's a comfort in that. And there's, um, when you pair that with the kind of difficulty, there's, a uh, a joy in fucking up and knowing why mm-hmm. and i don't want to get too like you know too deep with it but i think that there's a lot of in regular life where you make mistakes or are punished as if you made mistakes and you don't know why mm-hmm. um i think that we've talked about it on our, our other show but there um there was a uh, like an essay that i read at some point where it was about how people like games because games are fair you know, games have rules and they have set consequences in exactly the way that life does not. Mm-hmm. And this game is definitely has rules. It definitely has consequences. When you when you make progress, you've earned it. When you are set back, you've earned it. You know, this game, the, what experience you have with this game is a direct result of your abilities and your uh, what you put into it. it That's is, really true. It is a it is almost a platonically perfect meritocracy, almost perfect. But uh, it's a, it's a meritocracy. There, there, there's a fantastic quote that I that I found when I was researching for the show. Um, a journalist named Michael Thompson, who was writing for Slate, he wrote: "There is a beauty. There's a real beauty in Dark Souls. It reveals that life is more suffering than pleasure, more failure than success, and that even the momentary relief of achievement is wiped away by new levels of difficulty. It is also a testament to our persistence in the face of that suffering, and it offers the comfort of a community of other players, all struck by the same hellish quagmire." It's, I mean, it's like, it's like a Kurt Vonnegut novel like that. That's, that's, you know, that's very much like a, a sentiment that you would find in, in, you know, like a soft hearted humanist who sees the, the shortfalls of the world. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that is 100% true. And we're talking about a video game. So it's, it maybe <laughs> seems like we're overstating things, but like, I think that's, I don't think that's necessarily being actively engaged. Like when I'm playing Dark Souls, I'm not thinking, God, this is so much better than when like, you know, my, my ex-wife yelled at me. <laughs> and I couldn't figure out why, but I think some part of me is being reached by that and mm-hmm. just enjoying the fact that I have 100% responsibility and that everything that happens is mine. You don't, you don't digest that and process it and turn it into this thought, like during the middle of it, it's, you know, days, weeks, months later, and then you decide to do a podcast and you get a bunch of people who really follow you. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm like yeah. kind of kidding, but that's like where we got to it, right? Right. Yeah. No, that's, that's totally true. Like this game, this game is haunting. 
you yeah. know, in, in that way. Like, so it has, it has, it really has a tail as far as it's a, uh, it's effect on you. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's kind of what, what brought this about. And, you know, in in the pre-roll to the show that will likely never make it to air, we were talking about how, like, neither of us are competitive people, like, as regards games go, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, we don't play Counter-Strike. We're not... um, we're, we're, we're not, you know, fighting game players, things like that. But this game kind of raises this kind of golf level where you're always playing to beat your last score. And, you know, whereas those, those kind of things you get better by playing against other people, this game definitively makes you better at playing it. Yes. By the yeah. act of playing it. Like, like when you come back to this later on, you're kind of like, you're kind of inept, you know, teenage lovemaking efforts at doing this will seem comical yes and 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 even within the game it does that so the game is aware of that yeah you know as as a as a a principle it's also something where um as opposed to a a strictly competitive game when the game is teaching you how to play it and you're getting better some of the ways and reasons you're getting better is because of that that, i really like that last line and that quote you have where it's you know the comfort of a community of players stuck in the same quagmire the, the the way that this game handles uh commiseration <laughs> is is different and better than any game i've i've ever played where it's, it's you know it's almost part of the game to to go on to facebook and be like guys fucking blight town what do i do <laughs> like and there's a system built into the game but i feel like it's in the spirit of the game to be like i can't believe i did this what should i try next like i've tried this 10 times i can't get past it yeah and go into the the community of people who are having a similar experience and and draw on that it's telling that the wiki, at least the Japanese version, which the U.S. version is derived from, is like endorsed by the developers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of my enjoyment out of this game, it, it, it has come after I've played it and in like turning people on. This is going to sound really douchey or full of myself, but acting kind of like a Sherpa through it. So mm-hmm. people that I say like, hey, you should play this. And then and then when I get their text messages late at night saying, holy crap, what is this? You know, like like that, that's a that, you know, that that's satisfying. And like that mm-hmm. is the natural result. I mean, uh, it's, it's it's a water cooler game in a, mm-hmm. in a, in a way that I, I don't think I've encountered before. It 100 percent is that. And, and you've done that to me. And like I have text records of me, <laughs> you know, sending you uh, sending you things like that. And then I've gotten my friends to play it. Like I've gotten uh, my friend Derek to play it and I, I bought it for him for Christmas. And he's sending me those messages now. Like what a, what a ridiculously ambitious and lofty thing for a video game to do. <laughs> You know, who do you think you are, Dark Souls? It's like a it's like a pyramid scheme where like you exchange, you know, camaraderie as opposed to money. You know, like Cole has paid it down to me and every person I get below me, it's just it's just this weird, I don't know. It well, it is it's awesome in that respect. Like it's is it a pyramid scheme or is it paying it forward because you're like you're better at this game than me. I guess that's true. I, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. um, that is true. I think that there's probably there are ways that we would probably probably equal out yeah. if we were to ever uh, meet on the the field of PvP. Yes, which we never will, <laughs> uh, <laughs> because because the network connection settings are not great. They don't work. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so kind of uh, 
as far as kind of beginner tips or general general rules about how combat and exploration is handled in this game, we've kind of come up with something. I mean, we're pithily calling them commandments. That's all me. Uh-huh. You didn't call them commandments. You called them I, tenets. I, I, I maybe call <laughs> I call them tenets, but Cole has pithily. There were ten uh, of them, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there were ten of them, and you came up with all of them. I I needed some. I need to put my fingerprints on this somehow <laughs> in the most obvious and douchey way possible. But that's just me. That's, that's just how you had to do it. There's, there's no, uh, and because we're dark brothers, I still love you for it. Um, praise the sun. So the the. Uh, uh, these are the like kind of gameplay generalities that uh, we consider to be good good rules of thumb if you're going into it. These are non-spoiler. These are things to keep in mind about this game. So first one, lawful evil reigns. Um, if Dark Souls had an alignment in the D&D sense, it would be lawful evil. Uh, this means that, yes, it wants to kill you. It wants you to suffer, but it's going to follow the rules to do so. And you should use this to your advantage. Yep. Uh, Dark Souls is not cheap. So like when you... When something happens, you can reliably think it's going to do it again. If something, if you observe something, you're probably going to be able to observe it repeatedly. Um, so it is, it's following the rules. Yes. So if you follow the rules, and it, and there are actually opportunities where you can use that against the game, which is really interesting. Yeah. Um, but the uh, it follows the rules. And um, it makes sense for us to like break this up into in, into areas too, because there are different areas with different rules, and there are some areas where the rules are broken, and we can yep. call that out. And it's very self-contained. Um, yeah, yeah. One of the things. So the shield is my dear. Um, you know, keep your shield up. So it's, it is going to save your life, um, especially when you're entering into unknown territory. Um, one of the reasons why when you replay this game and you uh, feel the sense of mastery is because you know where everything is and you can <laughs> run through areas. Whereas my first playthrough of it, I walked into every area at a snail's pace with my shield up mm-hmm. because that's you, you, were, you were taught to do that. The game teaches you this as you're playing. Yeah. And that's why it's uh, very satisfying to uh, play as a, you know, somebody who two you know, not dual wields, uh, you know, two hands, a sword, like a gigantic thing, because you are operating without a safety net. Yep. Uh, whereas before you were you, you, you were timid in raising it up, but you shouldn't feel bad about being timid because there is reason to be ample mm-hmm. reason. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, commandment number three, trust your son, bro. Uh, that is the term for any co-op partner that you have. Um, and co-op, cooperative play, especially for bosses, is there for a reason, and you shouldn't be afraid to use it. It was put in the game. It is not a cheat. It is obvious. Uh, there's an NPC who explains how it works to you. Um, you should do it. Yeah, there's no there's no dishonor in it, and there's no you're not putting anybody out. Uh, people who come to help you are getting hugely rewarded for it. They can only do it voluntarily because they want to. And, uh, you know, that's one way you're going to learn. So there are bosses where maybe, you know, if you want to play through and say, I want to tackle everyone on my on my own, I would say, you know, give yourself a certain number of tries that you're going to do that. But if you're banging your head against the wall and it's impeding your continuing the game um, or enjoyment of the game, don't feel, you know, do not be afraid to get some help. And some of the bosses, I feel, are downright designed for co-op. One specifically, I yes. guess. Yes. But, uh, yeah. Definitely. Um, so the fourth commandment, uh, keep your head on a swivel. Uh, you need to be aware of your surroundings. You need to go slowly into new situations and be patient. So uh, spot checks um, yes. just kind of around you at any given time. This also extends to sound. Um, <laughs> you know, play this game with the sound on and listen. Yeah. Um, because I can. there are many times where I have heard something um, that I missed on my way in sneaking up behind me and was able to kind of turn around just at the last minute. 
you have to love a game sure. whose sole mechanic, not sole mechanic, one of their key like keys to success is uh, paying attention. And mm-hmm. you should pay attention because things will come out of seemingly nowhere. But when you go back, um, and you will go back, you will see those signs like, oh, I should have known that that would happen. But I didn't. So, yep. And if, if you're paying attention before something happens as well, it may seem like something is being randomly sprung on you. But if you uh, are paying attention, you know what to look for next time. Yeah. And it won't seem so random. And, and the, the universe will start to make sense again. <laughs> so <laughs> That doesn't hold true for real life. But, you know. Lovecraft. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> the fifth commandment, one thing at a time. Uh, try to only fight one thing at a time. Um, using bows and spells to pull enemies is not shameful. And that's one of the secrets about this game. Uh, you know, with your starting stats uh, for pretty much any class, you can get access to those ranged abilities and uh, they will uh, benefit you. Um, the uh, sixth thing would be uh, you need to be Batman. In this game, so in in that respect, what we mean is you need to choose your battlefield wisely. Um, there are good places and very very bad places to fight any given enemy. So the more you control about the situation where you're going to take on an enemy, uh, the better off you are. Yes. So this kind of ties into that previous one. You can draw somebody over to an area where it's more advantageous. Please do it. Yes, and like knowing that and knowing your weapon move set is a really big part of that because the combat is almost entirely about managing your distance between you and the enemy and also uh knowing when to run away and make a uh tactical retreat mm-hmm. yes the seventh commandment is thou shalt not kill uh killing npcs is a bad idea uh, unless you know that you won't need them anymore um it's really really easy to start fights that you can't finish this way and uh, they will stay pissed off until they die unless you do a very specific and very expensive thing to uh, absolve your sins Right. The, the game uh, communicates how important this is by making it such a pain in the ass to undo it. So, uh, you know, and it's it's interesting because there are characters that there are advantages to killing. But until you know those things, like you need to be sure, like treat it like real life. Like You, you need to be sure you want to kill somebody before you do it. And, you know, the, the hollow that is swinging a, a torch at me, like I know I want him dead. The dude just chilling by a fire. I don't know anything about him. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt until I know otherwise. <laughs> yes. So, um, eighth commandment, um, attachment is death. So do not cry over your lost souls or lost progress. So, uh, you are going to lose large quantities of souls. Um, but you will get them back. It's not that difficult. Mm-hmm. It's also smart not to carry a huge balance of souls. So because yeah. of that, you know, if you can spend them on things, if you have things to buy or levels to gain, do it. If you, and if you can't, uh, then, then don't worry about it. Yeah. If it's not a boss or a mini boss, it will come back and you will uh, get to know uh, the best runs to make to get souls if you are going to grind or farm. And uh, yeah, that's there. And the nice thing about the bosses and mini bosses, uh, they're generally scaled to where beating them will give you enough to level up. So you should always be leveling that thing up. Mm-hmm. Um, what, is your, what is the uh, highest amount of souls you've lost, Cole? Um, 80,000. 80,000. Yes. Pretty good. Um, I think I think I'm at sixty um, is, is the most I lost, but it was at it was so frustrating that I you know designed the rest of my playthrough to never <laughs> lose that many again. Yeah. So it was the very definition of a Dark Souls moment where I'm like, well, that's a mistake I'm never going to make. Again. It was it was eighty thousand, but I needed ninety five thousand to level up. 
Oh, geez. <laughs> exactly. So, so some of these rules, they kind of break down um, when you get to the later areas, <laughs> but uh, they're, they're, they're going to serve you well through like 95% of your time in this game. <laughs> um, let us see here. Um, uh, commandment number nine, vitality and uh, vitality and endurance uber alles. Um, it is never a waste of souls to upgrade vitality or endurance. Um, if you don't know what to level up, um, if you're not shooting to use any particular kind of equipment, uh, one of those things will help you because it will give you either more health or more stamina. Um, and on that equipment tip, you need to keep your equipment in mind whenever you're upgrading. Everything has an equipment. The best equipment has very stringent requirements. And uh, that equipment is actually more important than your stats. Um, on the opposite end, though, so you can't really fuck yourself over here. So if you, you know, if you can use a weapon, that weapon can serve you until the end of the game. Somebody online has done a challenge run with it, so you can do it. If you find something and you've leveled up, you know, one of these stats like vitality or endurance a whole lot, don't worry about it. You know, just kind of make better decisions moving forward. Um, in the beginning of the game, you don't really have the context to know what other stats you want to want to get because you haven't been exposed to very much of the equipment. You don't really know how they impact your abilities. But vitality and endurance are useful for any build. So in the beginning, that's definitely what you want to concentrate on. Um, finally, um, there is no dogma. Um, find what works for you. And if something doesn't work, uh, try something else. That, I mean, that, like just uh, what was it? Einstein overquoted. You know, definition of insanity, trying the same thing over and over again when it doesn't work, right? Mm -hmm. And that, that pertains to, to that, to taking different approaches to a thing. It also pertains to uh, trying, as we mentioned in the other earlier rule, like trying to break the rules of the game. Like there are ways that you can outsmart games that or outsmart enemies that feel like exploits. But really, like whatever works in this, <laughs> like there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, late, like the challenge runs, the kind of going through this game to prove something to yourself those can be for later playthroughs yeah on your first playthrough though whatever works and uh, keep searching until you find something that does yeah opportunism rules everything yep so keep those things in mind and we can't guarantee that you're gonna live um but uh you we will can guarantee that you won't live oh but, yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean you, you will die multiple times but yeah those are things that um we've kind of come through as come out with hard and fast lessons like things i wish i would have known <laughs> exactly as a young boy oh man <laughs> said, said the senior to the freshman um <laughs> so yeah um this game does have a beginning um and, <laughs> and uh so talking about the specific areas you know that, that that's the general stuff and if there's more like general things we will uh we will talk about them as we kind of go over but that's the you know that's the crash course that's 101 and, yeah. uh, and we're, we're gonna, gonna back those up with specific examples too yes as they, they came up just kind of underline them um as we as we mentioned before we uh we're playing through the game again um for this so um talk just a little bit about character creation which surprisingly matters a little bit less or a lot less than it does in any other game of this ilk so you, yeah. you, you have kind of a robust selection of uh, character classes, but you are not locked into anything. Yeah. The only thing it really determines is your starting equipment and whatever kind of spells uh, you would have uh, available to you, which can make a difference in that early run. Mm -hmm. But there is nothing that you can't do from that yeah. start. Um, for my, my first playthrough, I kind of played through as a medium knight who dabbled in a little bit of everything. Um, but for the show, I wanted to try out sorcery because it was something I had no um, no experience with in my, in my first first playthrough. So I rolled a sorcerer. Um, his name is Gary Ann Cole. 
<laughs> so I get to watch Gary and Cole's adventures uh, through Dark Souls. Um, yeah. Yeah. My first playthrough, I rolled a sorcerer um, who eventually uh, got enough strength to, you know, wield his Vihander with one hand. Um, so, I th- I, you know, that that's something that I'm noticing and watching other people's playthroughs um, is that your first character ends up being a generalist. Um, mm-hmm. and, th- and that springs from the opportunism so that we both got those and a bunch of other people that I've seen. That's going to happen. Um, but uh, my playthrough here, um, I'm actually uh, I rolled a deprived uh, named FDR. Uh, the namesake of the inspiration mm-hmm. for the, you know, the fireside. You, know, you, you get it. Mm-hmm. You know. Yes. <laughs> but, you guys took history class. Yeah. Um, uh, quoted in the intro and outro to the show, by the way. Oh, I spoiled the outro. Oh, no. Oh. Um, damn it. Uh, no. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, um, I'm, you know, I, I'm focusing kind of on uh, uh, dual wielding large weapons. In order to handing uh, large weapons. Yes. That's what I mean. That's really hard. It's kind of like biweekly and semi-weekly. Yeah. Yes. Yep, yep. Um, so I've got a plus five spy hander right now. Um, that's the that's that's the big ass sword that you can find. Um, and I don't. I'm not sure I'm going to go with it. But uh, the nice thing about the deprived is you start with uh, really well rounded stats, and uh, you can you know more than anybody can go anywhere except you start out naked and with a club and a board for a shield. I would not actually. I think that the deprived is a bad choice for your first playthrough. Yeah. Um, you do start out with high stat levels, but you also start out as a, at a high soul level, mm-hmm. which just means you have less customization. Yeah. So the uh, the more you level up in this game, the more experience it takes to level up. And uh, starting out as a depraved is kind of a uh, it's a good thing for either a challenge run or for a playthrough where you know the game really well and you could go in a couple of different directions. Yeah. Um, Kind of the default noob class is the pyromancer. Yes. And there's no shame in it. We I call it noob. Noob <laughs> does not mean a there's no negative connotation to noob in, yeah. in Dark Souls. Yeah. Um, the pyromancer starts at soul level one, and uh, I'm actually concurrently with this rolling as a uh, I'm trying to do a level one run through of the game um, hmm. with a focus on uh, with a focus on PvP. So if you see somebody level one, um, you know, rolling around in that there undead parish, that's probably me. What's his name so people can look out for him? <laughs> oh, gosh. I forget what the name is. Oh, no, no. His name is Gangston. Yes. Gangston. Okay, Gangston <laughs> checks in. The, the, uh, uh, Gary and Cole has been known to do some sun broing, so you may end up being you know helped out with the uh, with a boss fight, um, the gargoyle boss fight. I'll just say it. That's not a spoiler. Um, you know, until I can move on. I also did a uh, try to make a sunbro specific character, which I uh, killed the main sunbro in the game and was a, was a lady and wore his armor without pants and then used an upgraded whip as a sexy party solaire and tried to do a bunch of sunbrowing as sexy party solaire and uh, got summoned a couple of times, but it was so useless against any bosses. I was just there to whip it in the background as kind of like a cheerleader character at best. Um, so that character has been abandoned. Whip it good. But, um, yeah. I actually, I did a, an interstitial playthrough of the game to try to do a high strength character as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so this marks my, my third uh, complete playthrough of the game. Yeah. So I have experience with that as, as, as well. Dirty secret. Um, I've never beaten the game. Yeah, that is a dirty secret. Um, <laughs> no. uh, my, my, my first character, I, I never, um, I never, I never beat, beat the final boss who I won't say who he is right now. But, but not because he couldn't, it's just because he wanted to explore more of the game and yeah. there's a finality to beating it that we'll talk about in like yes. six months um the other thing that the other big choice you have at this point is a cho- choice of gifts um which and this is a real common uh internet kind of spoiler for this and really the one it's relatively irrelevant but like if you know the master key is a real good gift <laughs> it's um 
it, it allows you to skip some some nonsense areas. Allows access to some you know powerful items from the beginning. It's real good, and it's mostly good because the other items that you can get are pretty shitty, um, and can be found relatively early in the game. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, the, the, like the, 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 there are a couple of classes of those. There are some that uh, just kind of give you a couple of stat boosts, almost not stat boosts. Like one, like increases your HP. Uh, don't don't believe the tiny beings ring uh, when it says it restores your HP a little bit at a time. That is not true. Um, yeah. <laughs> not true at my, all. My very first first uh, playthrough, I I got that because it sounded so cool, and oh. so useful. Um, but luckily, that character was was doomed from the start, and we'll we'll talk about that guy in, in a couple areas. <laughs> yeah, because that was a funny situation. The, there's one that's only useful if you plan on talking to a particular NPC, and there's one that just has no use at all. Yep. But the developer uh, hinted that it, had, it was the most important item in the game, and was just trolling us. He's a and liar. Has admitted to it. Yes, he <laughs> he has just lied. Um, be wary of liar. Be wary um, of pendant. Or uh, not you toy. What uh, me? Uh, Miyazaki? Is it yeah. what is this? Yeah, Miyazaki. Yeah, Miyazaki. Yep. Be wary of liar on that one. So yeah, are we are we ready to, to start the game, so to speak? Yes, we are. Um, and you start out um, in a bitchin' prison. Yep, called the Northern Undead Asylum. how to go about this like i've got so much to say like from that very first sequence as the narrator is still talking like you know you, like you are a dude or or a lady dude you know sitting there you're, you're you know you're a hot dog person you're completely hollow not completely hollow because you still have your mind um but uh you, you look like the mr show sketch where david cross <laughs> has jumped into the pool of acid to kill himself <laughs> after listening to the thin, you know titanica album yes. where he's made of wet cigars <laughs> That is what you look like. You're, you're gross. Yeah. Like, yeah. Fine clothes. <laughs> um, kind of the, the thesis of this this area, you know, so we're, each area we're going to kind of talk about like a thesis or maybe an overriding statement if we can find one um, from the area and then kind of talk about the lore and then some, some highlights. And uh, the thesis of this kind of is setting the tone for the game. Like this is going to hurt. Like you are going to, you know, you are going to die. Things can kill you. They're dangerous. Um, but there are also choices. definitely and uh like those choices might not be like a pair you know we talked about how character creation doesn't really matter but uh it's more on the kind of the micro level of like do i fight this thing do i run you know Mm -hmm. both could be equally wise one of them is more wise than the other but the other one kind of has a reward that might or might not be relevant to you right yeah. So why don't you get started a little bit with the lore of this this area? Yeah, yeah. I, I have kind of a massive brain dump here in our notes. Uh, um, I don't I don't intend to like go through this entirely, um, but uh, it's 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 there as kind of like a way for me to process these thoughts. But uh, you know, we can only assume that this that this asylum is in the kingdom of Astora, which you'll find out you know l- later on. There there are these places around Lordran, and everybody is kind of like gravitating towards this place because it is uh, because it is you know the, the the homeland of their former god. Everybody kind of seems to worship the sun and Gwyn, and uh, in the dying light of the world, they are trying to find this particular sun. Um, so, you know, it's like this, this prison is like Alcatraz, right? It's like in the center of this 
vast expanse. I can't tell if it's an ocean. You can never quite see the ground. Yeah, you you do know that you need to fly to get there. So like you could you could reasonably assume that it is overseas in some way, shape, or form. Yes, or in a mountain range or something like that. I mean, there are there are mountainy outcropping. Yes, bits near the end. So that would also be acceptable if it's on the top of a mountain. Yeah. So like this asylum, it's like a place where these undead people are like brought. Um, whether it's by suspicion that the dark sign is contagious or if it's just because like these people will keep dying and they will eventually turn hollow and go after their loved ones and things like that. I mean, it's, it's, it's like a zombie apocalypse story almost, um, for, you know, you yeah, you can't permanently kill them. No. So, you know, that this is, uh, containing them is really the only option. And the other thing that could be is that, uh, you know, kind of a, a zombie trope, and this is by no means a zombie game, even though there are zombies in it, yeah. um, is the idea that, you know, this person was once somebody who was a human being and that still has value. Yeah. You know, so they could be being contained because of hope for a cure or hope of reversing the curse, um, something like that. They could even be being contained because of this prophecy. Yeah. You know, that we learn like that is something like it could be part of that. This is something that the game does not spell out. Yeah. And and that's like a junior or sophomore level part, like like lore speculation of like when Mm -hmm. you learn about this prophecy. But there's this idea that the undead asylum and like the, the way that it's put together is actually meant to select or find those undead who would have the ability to get to Lordran and figure out what the fuck's happening. Right. 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 Yeah. Um, so yeah. So so you wake up and the game gives you these kind of tutorial messages as you go through, and uh, teaches you about bonfires and teaches you about um, the orange markings on the ground, which are hints uh, at this point left by developers, but eventually will become um, <laughs> left by by other players. Yeah. And uh, at this point, you, you meet your first NPC in the game, and uh, he drops a key down for you to escape, and you meet him a little bit later as well. Yeah. Um, am I am I sequence breaking? No, no. Like I mean, we're we're we're. This is a little bit fast and loose anyway. But he does. Like you know, I, at first I thought that the person who dropped the body in there was somebody like dropping off another hollow, another hollow. But like looking at it again, he's wearing the elite knight armor. So he's, yeah. he's either somebody from Astora, or more likely he is this knight who you meet later. You yeah, know, who that's, helps that's my guess because yeah. he, the knight who you meet later is the one who tells you about the prophecy. So he has a vested interest in you know. He's he's placing a lot of bets yeah. on on who could be this person who's going to fulfill the, the prophecy, mm-hmm. and you are clearly not hollowed yet at this point. Right. Um, you know, being hollow is just something that you know you go insane either from not having enough humanity or losing uh, motivation or you know any number you know just dying too many times. Right. So. Yeah. So you leave this cell, but it's kind of out of the frying pan into the fire because one of the first big rooms you get into, there's this gigantic demon with a huge club who jumps down and uh, wrecks your shit. Yep. And uh, trying to fight him at this point, you have no equipment. Um, you just have the hilt of a, a sword. And uh, that doesn't mean people haven't done it. I bet you <laughs> just people have. And uh, you can actually cheese it and get one of the starting gifts that will help you defeat him at this point to get a weapon that you won't be able to use for half the game. Right. Um, but really, you're meant to run at this point. Right. Um, and there is a developer message to tell you this, but you will not get another developer message this direct. No. You know, again, that tells you the right solution to a problem. Yeah. Again. But uh, it's it's just, it's so bastardous. It's so, I don't know, that like, like that, that particular thing sets the tone. This looks hopeless, but it's not. Right. Right, right. right. And you may be used to, uh, when I first fought him, I died and thought I was supposed to die. Because I was used to the Final Fantasy-esque, you know, oh, boss yeah. battle you're supposed to lose. And, uh, and, and actually did die. And I had not uh, ignited the bonfire in that, that initial one there. So I had to start over and it was no big deal. I was, I was right at the beginning of the game, but just, you know, silly mistakes I made. 
huh. as, as a Dark Souls rookie. That's weird. So, so, so does it drop you like right back to the like to the main menu if you don't like that bonfire? Or yeah, yeah. I mean, you're 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 done at that point. Oh. Hmm. But that actually has lower implications. But I will not dwell on them right here. I didn't know that. Um, I forget what I, I did. I, the f- if I'm remembering right, like it. So I hopefully nobody you know is angrily writing an email right now. That's <laughs> the way I recall it. It was a while back and lots yeah. of Dark Souls ago. So I almost want to try it. Um, but. Uh, yeah, I just like I forget what happened the first time I did it. I think because I saw the door open, like you can hear it, it's pretty loud. Um, mm-hmm. And I can only assume that uh, that Oscar opens it for you, but who knows? Yeah, that, that's my guess as well. Yeah, um, yeah. So, and the, I like this this conjecture you have in the notes here is that he is there to to make sure to make any sane undead that make it that far go hollow. Yes, like his his purpose is to kill you. And keep killing you until you've gone too insane to try to leave. Because you, you've run into many hollows at this point. It's kind of a preview of your possible fate, you know, or, or like your lore fate. It will never happen to your character. But hollows that have gone completely hollow are just totally insane and just kind of, you know, blubbering against the wall. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's trying to do that to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so like, just the, the idea that this is, like, the, this is this meat grinder who is standing you know, in front of the front door. And the fact that it has the key to that door means that at somewhere, some point, somebody thought this is the natural conclusion. Somebody, you know, somebody's going to come along and kill this and this is how they're going to get out. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I, it could be just me inferring actual lore from weird game logic, but uh, that speaks to me um, just in terms of, you know, people wanting to help this, um, wanting to help this uh, a prophecy come true because they don't want just everybody getting getting out, you know, because they're gonna you know run rampant and kill people and all that, or just you know stand still and you know bang their heads against walls. You want only the toughest, most wily ones, right? And you know, and, and there are other people who have gotten out of this asylum from other continuities, um, who, who who seemingly also uh, conquered this in their own in their own kind of uh, uh, floor of the tower, right? Right, and 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 the way that uh, the lore works, every other player who's playing Dark Souls exists in your world, and they've made it out of the asylum. They're just telling their timeline version of the story. Yes. So because time has gone weird and realities are converging and such, um, you know, every person who plays this game is that chosen one, and they all exist in the yeah. same world, and which is pretty neat. It's not like you know Legend of Zelda or something where I'm Link and this is a personal story. Mm-hmm. Like it is a shared story that all exists in the same space. Yeah. And it subverts that whole, you're the Messiah because you were foretold in the scrolls. It's like you're chosen because you just happen to be lucky enough to like get this. Right. right? Lucky enough and, and skilled enough to make well, it. Oh, yeah. Gumption. I mean, gumption really factors in here. Um, I don't use that word a lot, but it, it, it matters. Um, both in the player and in the char- player character who is an extension of you. Um, you get out and you run into Oscar again, and uh, Oscar has previously, after helping you out, has made it out a distance, but he has succumbed to a, uh, it looks like the, he, something has crashed on him from above, or he was thrown through a ceiling, um, possibly that, uh, that asylum demon, which would make sense with, where, with him controlling the, the gate. Yeah. Like, the asylum demon comes from above, it's possible that there is a control mechanism up there that he has let you through, opened the gate, and then was killed by the asylum demon after you ran past the asylum demon. Or shortly before. Yes. And uh, he gives you an Estus flask, which is the way you're going to heal. Um, it is an undead favorite. And uh, <laughs> tells you the prophecy, which in a real awkward little bit of dialogue, um, says that it was a saying around his family. And then proceeds to spill like six paragraphs of prophecy. <laughs> and I just imagine like dad just walking around in his bathrobe, just be like, you know, son, they say that one time there shall be a chosen undead. 
And that chosen undead shell, you know, just like very matter of fact. I think there's some word like saying that seems way too casual. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it's kind of like the Pentateuch, right? Uh, you know, it's, it's like uh, Genesis or Deuteronomy, where when you introduced yourself, you would, you know, like name all of your descendants back to Adam. Mm-hmm. Or all of your ancestors, rather. So he introduces himself to everyone. Yes. In, in this way. <laughs> or, you know, he sees you as somebody he can pass the torch to. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, you fight a couple of dead at this point, and you're really getting back to, like, the next highlight. So um, climbing around, gaining some equipment, learning how the SS class work, and uh, getting the basics of the combat, and you get your starting equipment. And then um, in the last direct tutorial message in the game, you uh, you climbed up to where uh, you're above the Asylum Demon. And it tells you that if you attack while falling on somebody, you'll do, you'll do a high damage attack. And then it is your first boss fight. Yeah your first real one that you're actually meant to win. And it's a, it's a pretty good boss fight. I mean, it teaches you a lot of the tropes of the boss fights there that, you know, that you're going to find in this game. Each of them has their own kind of like trick and, you know, spin on this and some of them subvert it entirely. But, uh, but in general, it's, uh, you know, most of them are really big. A lot of them uh, attack for really, really high damage that can be kind of demoralizing, but they're kind of slow and they telegraph their moves. So it's almost always better to, uh, to, to, to roll instead of block and the best place to be behind, you know, the best the best place to be, um, with a few notable exceptions, is uh, right behind them, or in the crotch. Like you want to get <laughs> yeah. all up in nutsacks. You, you want to go this game, get all up ins on this demon with his prominent ass crack. Yes. Well, what, what it's really teaching you. The other thing it's teaching though, when you say that, um, you know, he hits like a truck and it can it can scare people, is that a lot of the bosses rely on the sensory overload. Like there's no, it's notable that there's very little music in the game. Yes. So you're walking through this uh, just hearing sound effects and the music only pipes up in a couple of key locations and then at boss fights. So you're immediately you're seeing something that um, could kill, you know, could and maybe has killed you just a couple of minutes prior. Um, it's almost the size of the screen. The music kicks up and it's excellent and dramatic and really <laughs> uh, intimidating and it's loud. And it's, it's meant to, you know, when, it, when he hits, he has this huge impact. Like, this is meant to intimidate you. Mm-hmm. Like, if this boss fight is about anything, it's about overcoming that. You know, seeing this thing that looks insurmountable and was insurmountable and teaching you that, it, you know, you can get past it. It's a confidence, it's a confidence builder, too. Like, well, you know, yep. once, once you get this, you have your full kit. Like, the tutorial differs for everybody, um, depending on what class you get. But, like, you know, you, you are serving your role. Right, you have your dagger if you're if you're a thief. You have your axe if you're a bandit. You have your spells if you're a sorcerer. All these kind of things. You, you get the sense like, oh, I've arrived, and I'm going to mm-hmm. take this guy out. Um, yep. And it's it's really satisfying when you do. Yeah. Um, the the first time I fought him, I did die a couple of times. Um, every subsequent time, he's you know <laughs> super easy. Yeah, um, he's actually a very easy boss. But it was the feeling I had when I first beat him is like that's awesome. Like I'm, I'm good at this game. Like I'm, and little did I know I was terrible at the game, but <laughs> I felt very good about it. And I think that's instructive and intentional. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, 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 you leave the asylum, um, feeling good, but then you step outside, you open up the front gate and you see that the, the road out of here leads to nowhere. Classic road to nowhere situation. Um, the, the, uh, David Byrne is running in a big suit continuously, uh, next to you. You're playing Dark Souls. I'm David Byrne, a real fucking weirdo. <laughs> but, uh, a giant crow grabs you at this point and transports you to, uh, the, to Lordran. And you have an interesting note in here. Um, you know, one of the deities in this game that is never directly encountered, but is mentioned several times is Velka. 
And uh, the kind of spirit or emblem animal for Velka is a crow. And uh, there's kind of interesting implications in this in this choice. Yeah. And you know there there's there like like with the uh, the Greek pantheon or the uh, or the Norse pantheon, there's a lot of infighting amongst the quote unquote gods, and the gods mm-hmm. may or may not just be regular beings that have a hold of a soul, um, <laughs> and uh, there are implications for why this crow would want to take you uh, straight to uh, Lord Drain. Whether or not it's just fulfilling the prophecy, and you know everything is trying to lead these uh, these wily undead to this place to try and get things sorted out. Um, or if yeah. it's actually like, you know, machinations, uh, yeah, trying would, to pit you against each other, it's, it's up for debate. My thought would be it's a kind of machination knowing, yeah. um, what we know about the character Belka in an area much later, yeah. um, to the game. And there's a lot to the game to support that these are just regular people who have this insane amount of power as opposed to being somehow grander or wiser. A yeah. lot of the decisions, once you can kind of suss out why they're made, by these gods are made for very mortal and petty reasons. Right. So it really, I mean, I said it before, it really reminds me of Greek mythology mm-hmm. in, in that respect. Yeah. And I say Norse, but it's, it, you know, it all comes out in the wash. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, but basically anything except Christianity, although there, there, there are nice, uh, there, there are nice analogs between, uh, between Christianity and kind of the way of white, you know, it's like an, and yeah. Gwyn himself, but, uh, we will not anything touch that. Says sun yeah. quite that often has some kind of, uh, you know, <laughs> Um, has to have some kind of ties to Christianity mm-hmm. or some illusions, I guess, rather than ties. Yes. Um, but that, that takes you out of there and, uh, you know, you fly on this crow, you get a, sh- a cut scene. There are a few cut scenes in this game mm-hmm. and this, this is uh, one of the few. And, uh, you are then deposited at the Firelink shrine. Uh, you know the thesis for this area at least the one that I came up with Gary may uh, disagree you can feel free to you know is that everything is connected right mm-hmm. like I mean and, and and that speaks to kind of like you know in a literary sense where you know just kind of you know one, one, everything has strings attached to it that are attached to 20,000 other places but mm-hmm. uh, this is literally the hub for the world and there are lots of different places that you can go here um, but uh, um, there's only one that's correct. Right. And it's not just um, uh, that everything is connected. Like, the gameplay is connected, too, because the uh, all of the... You know, this ends up being kind of a gathering spot and safe haven for, for NPCs. In a lore way, I don't know what the explicit thing is, but you get a sense that this area is protected. You know, this is, this is a sanctuary, and it makes sense for your... Um, you're the various people you meet to congregate here, all of which kind of represent their own stories, which we'll, we'll talk about um, when we come to them, but also different gameplay elements. Yes. And they, they, are, they all tie together here. Um, mm-hmm. The music is very um, kind of soothing, for, for <laughs> lack of a better word, for, for Dark Souls music. It's um, like the Resident Evil 2 save room music. Yeah. I was about to, that's also the, the save and loading music is a lot like a Resident <laughs> Evil save, save load music. Yeah. Almost to the degree that I think somebody should like investigate it. Like I want to hear a YouTube doubler of it because it's really similar. Yeah. Are, are you saying litigation is imminent? I'm saying that I am going to sue on behalf of Capcom <laughs> on behalf of Resident Evil's honor. Yeah. 
and, and and there are like gameplay reasons, like to believe that this place, that this place is protected too. Um, like the, like you're going to see more ghosts of other people in this area. Um, you're also this, this this is one of like three or four areas in the game that does not have any PvP in it, so mm-hmm. you cannot be invaded while you're here. And uh, with a, with a, with one or two notable exceptions, there are no enemies here. Right. Right, right. Um, you can also even the connection is awesome in that uh, it, it's visual too. Mm-hmm. So you, you can look at a lot of areas you're not going to come for quite some time from here. Um, yes. You can look up at the parish, which is an area you're going to eventually visit. You can look down to Blight Town, which is another area you're eventually going to visit. Um, you go when you go down to the graveyard. This is just a question I, I want to know whether you had any idea for it. Um, from the graveyard, you can look down and see a, a city that you don't visit. Mm-hmm. In the game, do you think that is just kind of you know areas of the undead burg that you can't get to, because it's lower than that? Yeah, I mean, I, I like especially so below it. C- c- kind of like how one of the major cities of this of this kingdom is like way above everything else. I get the sense that the undead burg, like which is what we're calling it now, um, is above Blight Town. Like like everything is plateaus within plateaus. I right. get the sense. And- and that has a, a Norse mythology connection too that we'll talk to talk about in relation to an area a little bit li- later. But the um, this area, this specific area, it's weird for them to take the pains to show you an area without you being able to to get to it. Yes, and and that that's just an odd hiccup. It's not a hole in the game or anything like that. No, no. I, I mean, I, I like hints that there's this world that's existing around here, especially now that we know that there's going to be a sequel to this. I mean, they're like you know, mm-hmm. there, there there are kingdoms around, but you meet people from them, so you get a sense of their culture a little bit, um, or at least mm-hmm. like the people that are cast away from it or you know leave it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I uh, just like to see something that just kind of like there is that thing I will never be there um, it's, right. it, it lends to a sense of mystery which is something that I really really love in a game and this game has it in spades yeah architecture wise it looks similar to like an undead burg yeah. so it could just be a, a city of similar or lower stature given yes. that it's, it's lower geographically yeah um, one of the things is you run into your first uh, uh, non-dying NPC um, <laughs> similar to Oscar this, this man is not dying who is the uh, the crestfallen warrior, and he kind of lays out your immediate goals. It's one of the few times the game tells you directly what to do. Right. Um, in fact, I can only think that there are really only a couple of points. Mm-hmm. One kind of big one halfway through the game, and this one where the game tells you what to do next. And the crestfallen warrior, he's 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 an interesting NPC because he kind of like lays out one of the big reasons why people go hollow. But uh, you know, he's arrived at this place, you know, well before you, and he says, "Yeah, you may have heard that there, are, you know, there's one bell, but actually there's two, and right. you're probably going to die when you get there." <laughs> yeah, he's a real douchebag. Yeah, yeah. Uh, th- this guy's a douchebag, and he he, I I love this this character's arc. Like the way it ends yeah. is really great. Um, but this, when I first, my first playthrough, I attacked him because he was a douchebag. And I <laughs> oh, thought, no. in my mind, I was like, I'm going to sequence break the game and get some kind of, I want this guy's armor or yeah. something like that. I don't know what I was thinking. But what happens is because he's right next to a, uh, a bonfire, that's where you respawn. So I was continuously respawning with this hostile character who was way outside my ability to kill <laughs> and just kept waking up, getting murdered, waking up, getting murdered, waking up, getting murdered in this endless cycle that was kind of incredible. So, and had to restart that character. So you'd unsalted the earth. Yeah, absolutely. Like nothing could grow there. Um, now I bet you I could beat beat him at soul level one. Yeah, you know. Um, but at the time, it, there was no way. Like he's not even that tough. But why are you tempting me to like pick a fight with him with a soul level one character? 
Yeah, it was, you know, uh, I, I want to tell everything that I uh, fucked up and yeah. did, I want you to do, is mm-hmm. the idea. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, there, there's another NPC that you meet here as well. Um, his name is Petrus. Um, he offers to let you join the Way of White, which sounds really good, right? How could that mm-hmm. go bad? Um, that's a, that's a covenant, and each of the there's nine covenants in the game, and they each kind of correspond to one of the Dungeons and Dragons classic alignments. Yes, and uh, the Way of White is the lawful, awful good one. He's a cleric. Yes. Um, so if you join his covenant, he'll teach you miracles, which are uh, like white magic in the game, just to put it into common common terms. But this guy has a pretty interesting backstory, um, and is not what he seems. There's a no. a stash of items near him that uh, contain, among other things. Uh, cracked red eye orbs, which are used to invade other players' world and uh, kill them for their humanity. Yeah, and and, and Fire, Fire Link like has all all the all kinds of these like hidden areas. Like you know, one of the first first things that I did did in this game was kind of like find everything, but where I should go. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I grabbed all that stuff. I went down to the graveyard where I was summarily killed by these skeletons. Um, uh, I, I will say that on that failed playthrough, I actually managed to kill a couple of skeletons, mm-hmm. uh, which was nice. But uh, but yeah, that is that that is probably uh, the the most loud and clear signpost that it can give you without actually putting a sign up that you're not supposed to go in that direction. <laughs> right. There are a few things that are locked by gates in this game. Like there's just a couple gates. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the things, it's like you 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 either uh, it makes just as much sense to go to an area. You know, at this point, um, kind of the end game. You can do that in any order, and it makes sense to do it in any other order. Mm-hmm. Or there are these kind of meat gates where it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, if you're dying <laughs> a lot, it's maybe a bad idea to be there. Yeah. It's an interesting inversion, too, because skeletons are traditionally a very weak enemy. Yeah. You know, uh, you'd think that they would be uh, shitty. At the same time, you know, this graveyard area can teach you um, if you've kind of figured out the value of your, your life and how low that is, mm-hmm. you can do some neat things if you have nothing to lose. So you level up at this first this bonfire. And then make some suicide runs yeah. in, into the graveyard and get some neat stuff right off the bat. Yeah. Because two, it doesn't matter if you get surrounded by skeletons and die. Two, two of the best weapons that you can get, like ones that upgrade really, really well, um, are the wing spear and the Zweihander. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, you get those like right from the first gasp. Um, it takes you know it takes a little bit to actually like get the stats to use them, but it gives you like a nice goal to work towards, especially if you're going to be using a character that uh, plays with those styles. Mm-hmm. The other area you can kind of go to that you shouldn't be going to <laughs> at this point is down into uh, the the New Lando ruins, which we'll talk about uh, when we get there. But yes. it is similarly hard and yeah. will will prevent you from going there. You can also get to Blight Town right away if you took the Master Key. Yes, um, I think the fact that you have to use the Master Key there kind of signals that you shouldn't go that way, yeah. even before you run into two tough enemies. Definitely. Yeah, there's an NPC here that I forgot to account for. Um, that is Anastasia of Astora. Um, mm-hmm. She is the firekeeper. Um, she doesn't speak uh, because her tongue has been torn out, um, and uh, she is the person who is keeping that fire alive. And you kind of learn that there are these bonfires throughout the world that are extensions of this like first flame that uh, you know they're kind of keeping light in the world. And there's a lore significance of these bonfires, and she is the person who is kind of like keeping that there so you can use it. Yep, and when I first put that, that two and two together, 
I loved it because it, it casts so much light on other areas. So yes. when you run into another uh, fire keeper, casts so much light. Um, when you run into another fire keeper, you realize the significance of that. When you run into a fire keeper soul, you know that that area was once something that was something of a sanctuary and has been overrun. So it gives the the impression of like a progress and a mm-hmm. degeneration of this game. Like you see areas that used to be similar to Firelink yeah. and now are just, you know, some of the most dangerous areas in the game, actually. And there's something else. I'm going to leave this here because, like, it speaks to kind of the unspoken horror of this game. Mm-hmm. There are fires that don't have any fire keepers. So you get the sense that there might be some undead fire keeper who has cask of amontillado in out of your sight who is basically just insane, but by their very presence you know, in that area with their soul, they're keeping it there. That, that could be, even though like the game undercuts that a little bit in that uh, fires with fire keepers have mechanical differences. Do so they? Fires with, yeah, fires with fire keepers will always retort, restore 10 Estus flasks. They're, but they're, they're kindled, yes. Yeah. No, not when they're kindled. Like If it has a fire keeper, it will restore 10 yeah. off the bat. But that's so because not, the fire keeper kindled it. I'm gonna defend. Um, I'm gonna defend this theory. Like, I, like you, you can't dissuade me from it because I like how awful that is. No, it, it, I, it's a, it's a fine idea. I don't know. There's also a little bit with the Lord Vessel that I feel like maybe uh, undercuts that a little bit. I don't know. I'm not willing to jump on board with that, but it's a cool idea. It's a uh, good idea. I wish that there was a little thing, you know, a little tiny nugget of, of text in the the Firekeeper Soul. Uh, item description that suggested mm-hmm. that because it's a cool idea. I want to live in the world that you live in. <laughs> I just can't get there from here. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Mm-hmm. <sighs> so, like, if we go any further, we're going to get into the next area. Is there any? Yeah. Is there any final wrap up on the on the fire link? We're going to come back here. Um, oh yeah, we're going to talk about each of these NPCs that you run into in kind of detail because they all have really interesting backstories, um, including Petrus. But his story ends up being part of a, a larger NPC story. Yes, so that is why we're, we're going to get to him. Um, just a brief word word about uh, covenants. Um, mechanically, the way of the white gives you some real questionable benefits. Um, do you want to do that? Does that make sense to talk about covenants as we? Yeah, as uh, we find, find them. them? Yeah, yeah, because because I'm, I'm like on my first character, I joined it because I was like, why not? But and that, that's what you should do. Yeah. Um, you know, you feel don't feel bad about joining covenants. It's it's an you're not married to it. You know, you can you can uh, you can leave it. And uh, and this one, if you know, getting a miracle has a mechanical advantage, even if you're not going to play a healer. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can get your faith up to, I think it's twelve or it's ten. Um, you can use that heal miracle, which doubles the amount of uh, you know healing opportunities you have, more or less. Mm-hmm. Um, but this covenant out of all of them has the fewest um, material benefits. Yeah. So you, you're able to buy those miracles. And then um, if you're doing the online play, you're more likely to match with, with players who are in the good covenants. Yes. If you're, if you're in this covenant. And, that, and that's really all there is to it. The, the covenants have very drastically different levels of, of mechanical significance. Yeah. And, th- and there are different kinds of them too. Some, some, some like this are focused on uh, PVP. Some are entirely, um, you know, well, this is, this is focus, focused on cooperation, not PVP. So this is, this I, I, is I guess that's what I mean. Like, so you say yeah, cooperation. Yeah. I'm sorry about that. I, 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 I wouldn't have made the differentiation if there weren't, a differentiation uh, focused on yeah on, on <laughs> pvp specifically yeah so so like you know the, there's some that are focused on co-op there are some that are like designed like this gives you um a way to invade other people 
Um, and there are some that are entirely single player benefit. Uh, yeah. It's really just kind of up to you how you would like to play that. Is it is it like fair to say that like a lot of the multiplayer ones they don't come into play until you actually know how to make like build your character for that? Yep, because uh, specifically the uh, the PvP ones. So like mm-hmm. uh, PvP is a, is a layer layer of this game that I think in full disclosure we should say that like I don't think neither either of us have have really gotten into very heavily or we consider ourselves skilled or knowledgeable yeah. about um you can you you, you can, it's kind of a meta game that is attached to the main game where you play through the main game in order to make a build that uh in order to do this really kind of deep and nuanced dueling side game yeah almost and uh i i've invaded somebody once and he had two people with him and killed me <laughs> And that was all. That's the only time I've ever invaded anyone. Yeah. Um, for the most part, I've I've done tried to help people out, and it's not even for the mechanical benefits. I just like the idea of helping new players through this game. Yeah. And like P- like PvP, if you're not actively seeking it out and doing it, it has more of an impact on you um, passively, um, because if you're human, um, if you revived a human form using humanity. Um, you will likely be um, in- invaded unless you're in a very remote area or unless you're in a very unusual level for that area. So there are risks and benefits to uh, to being human. Uh, that's one of the more poorly explained aspects of this game that you should probably know going forward. When you are human, your item discovery goes up. You can um, kindle bonfires up to a certain level um, until you get a specific item um, using humanity. And most importantly, when you are human, you can see summon signs, most likely outside of bosses areas or outside of uh, bonfire areas where you can bring people into the game. That is stuff you cannot do while you are hollow. So being hollow is a way to play the game without encountering other people. And being human is a way to either get a lot of help from people in specific situations or really, really be dicked over in general situations. Yeah. And and there's kind of, I mean, one of the the shortfalls of this game, I think, is that that, uh, PvP is not, it's matched by level only, but the game also undercuts that by de-emphasizing how important levels are in comparison to equipment. So, I mean, I guess it, it fits the very harsh tone of the game. But there's not – if you're walking around in this next area that we're going to talk about next episode and you get invaded, it's unlikely somebody who's also in that – I mean it, there's no way that somebody who's in that area for the first time also. Like that's <laughs> – they're not going to be the same skill level. They're going to be somebody specifically doing it to, to dick you over. Yes. And that – I mean that's fine. You know, death is not a big deal. It's part of the tone that they're going for. But it would be really fun, you know, that the times I have been invaded, the most fun was when they were evenly matched. Right. Obvious. I mean, that's obvious. But that's, I mean, I talked about that on, on one of Cole's other shows, The Level, where the fun in fighting games scales to how evenly matched you are to your opponent. So that's true of the PvP here as well, mm-hmm. I think. Unless you're just a troll and you just, and that, you know, that's fine if that's who you are. But the uh, neither Cole nor I have that in us to just want to fuck people over just to watch the world burn. <laughs> Right. And I said earlier, you know, I'm doing a level one player so I can do uh, PVP like and that that's more for the like level one run through of, you know, particular areas like it's possible to do it. And I want to know that I can. Um, And And uh, like like that whole like, oh, I'm going to hang out at the undead bird like that's for like that's until it gets old. Like until I right. feel bad, which would be like four duels in and then I'll probably level up and do PVP in other areas, you know, yep. where it's going to be more, uh, you know, a, a more even match. Right, right, right. There's something I, I remember um, when you were talking about being a Sherpa, like I sent you a text specifically like the first time or second time I got invaded because I, I had pretty bad luck with being invaded. Like I bought this right after it first went on sale um, for PC mm-hmm. um, and the game was very popular at that time. 
And uh, I was just, I remember sending you a text. I was just, what is in it for these people? <laughs> like what, what possible advantage do they get? And it's like, they get souls, but I'm very low level. So they don't get much. Yeah. They get humanity, which is not a hard item to get through other means. And mm-hmm. it's valuable, but you can get it through easier ways than PVP. But then that's what, that's what you said. Was some people just want to watch the world burn. Yeah. And it's like, okay, <laughs> like I get it. <laughs> yeah. That's, you know, it's built in. It's a part of the experience. I, I, I think that they, 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 they made it specifically with that in mind. Uh, and, you know, and, and I say that as a matter of faith, but very little about this game and in other instances seems accident, accidental. So right. I, I don't want to say like, oh, this is an oversight, you know? Right, right, right. Um, the other thing that's interesting. So on your way to the Undeg Berg, you do kind of your first little bit of combat before you get there, mm-hmm. which like, would we consider that to be part of? Firelink or part of Undead Bird? We can talk about that, it, but we'll probably... The first encounter is real instrumental. Yes. Let's do it because the little bon sign didn't come up to say Undead Bird. Yeah, that's that, that's true. Um, yeah, so we, we will, uh, we'll make that... Uh, and that is true. It's in the game as well. Um, when you finally find the right way out of Firelink Shrine, um, which is up, up and to the right, um, if you're, you're facing away... Um, you uh, you start fighting your first hollows, and the game is already teaching you things. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things it's teaching you is that um, you know that try to fight one person at a time, but you're going to come onto situations in complicated ways. So it's a stairwell with with a, a hollow on two hollows on the ground, one near and one far. Um, one of them coming down the stairs at you at the time, and one of the top throwing fire bombs at you. And you have to take in this situation and immediately kind of tactically decide how to move forward. Yes. And uh, moving forward too quickly, we'll either get two of these hollows um, on your ass or we'll get you set on fire. Mm-hmm. And when you, if you decide you want to rush up to take out the guy who's throwing the fire bombs, there's a guy with an ax <laughs> behind him to punish you for that. Waiting in the wings. So, yep, you need, you know, this it's slow and methodical is the order of the day. Mm-hmm. And this encounter and one that's very early on in the next episode, I think, are the two best illustrations of that. Um, but this one is the, 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 the first one with the easiest enemies. Um, you know, you're not getting overpowered here. You just have to be smarter. Right. And, and like, the, the, this also has the, uh, the benefit of teaching you about picking your spots, too, mm-hmm. because um, there are height differentials. And, the you know, people who can throw... Um, they can throw further when they're at, you know, on top of you or, you know, they get, they get more mileage out of it. It's easier for them to hit you, et cetera. Um, and it's also very, very narrow. So if you're counting on being able to flank, um, it is, uh, incumbent upon you to, uh, watch, to mind the gap as it were. Um, and also if you decide that you want to use that to your advantage, you can just kick fools off of the cliff. Yep. <laughs> if, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. if you press up and your uh, your weak attack, you will do a kick, and uh, it helps with people who have shields. It gets their shields down, and if they're standing next to something they can fall off of, um, you just got yourself some souls. Um, but yeah, uh, that I think that probably about does it for the, for that area, and yeah. and almost this episode. Pretty much, yeah. So um, we really hope that you enjoyed it. Um, I did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, if, you, if you came here from Watch Out for Fireballs, which a lot of you probably did, that's Cole and I's, uh, our old video games podcast. Like this discussion's a little bit more somber 
than that. Like we, we digress a lot more on that show and we are goofier dudes. Um, I don't know if we'll loosen up in this show or if the subject matter is just something that we're so serious about. <laughs> that this is just the tone of this show. And hopefully that's not a turnoff for you. Right. Hopefully you, you enjoy right. that. Um, I think when we get other people in here, it's going to uh, change r- rapidly depending on who's here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. and that's something to look forward to is that we're going to change, you know, we've got people in to, to guest in on specific areas. So we, we try to get people, like, this is a favorite area or this is something that you, uh, you feel strongly about. Come talk, talk with us about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something to look forward um, to. We won't necessarily have a guest on every episode, but, um, you know, our goal is close to that. Mm-hmm. So at the beginning of the episode, we talked about how we would say what we're doing next episode. Um, so yeah, if you followed us up the uh, up the hill there towards the aqueduct, um, the logical conclusion is that you will end up in an area called the Undead Berg, uh, mm. which is uh, a, a fascinating little area that will uh, um, separate the wheat from the chaff, uh, even more so than the previous areas. Um, and, and a terrible fast food place. So, so if you ever see a place called Undead Bird, you do not want to be Undead Bird in there. <laughs> no, thank you. Definitely. Um, right now, our guest for that episode is going to be Zach from the Video Games Hot Dog Podcast and the Kingdom of Loathing Radio Podcast, and also Advice Hot Dog. Uh, he mm-hmm. is um, a very active dude. He is a video game industry luminary, and we are really, really, really excited. He wouldn't like me calling him a luminary, but he's a cool guy. He's really funny. Especially um, since it's luminaire, uh, right? Isn't that the, the correct way? That's the, that's the main reason. That's not the what, main What's reason. that? No, luminary. Lumin- that's a, that's a luminary? word. I guess yeah. that is. I was thinking luminaire. Like, I like, know, maybe- like Lumiere from uh, Beauty and the Beast? <laughs> yep. Um, and uh, I have not met him in person or in like in, in pod or over Skype or anything, but I'm really looking forward to it. I appreciate his work and he's a noted fan of, uh, of the game and it's going to be great to have him on. So I'm super excited. We have some other people planned, some tentative people, but it's awesome. Like it's really cool. You know, this is a getting this opportunity to, to you know be on a show with some of these people is, is really awesome. Definitely. In the meantime, if you do like this, um, there's some things you can do that are huge. Like first up, this is like the make it or break it time for podcasts. Like yeah. this is, this is huge. This is us at our most vulnerable. Like we are, we have just been dropped into Firelink, <laughs> and we are heading towards the graveyard and this is your chance to, to put down an orange marker and steer <laughs> us away. And, uh, and the way you can do that is by supporting the show. So, um, you know, joining the Facebook group, you know, going to uh, iTunes and leaving us a rating or review, um, telling your friends about it, posting on blogs, message words, all that jazz. Yeah. Um, you know, just just like every podcast, this is, um, you know, it, it's kind of promoted by word of mouth, by the community. Um, you know, the, like the, the Dark Souls community, it's 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 relatively fertile. You know, this, this stuff kind of passes through, uh, just like the game itself, really. You mm-hmm. know, it kind of goes from one person to another person, and it takes hold relatively quickly. So, um, you know, just if you know somebody who likes Dark Souls... Um, if, you know, if you, if you know of a place where Dark Souls discussion is a happening and you think that we would be a valuable resource for them or that they would be a valuable resource for us because, you know, we would like to hear your thoughts and we'll probably incorporate those as uh, time goes on and we start discussions about particular areas, uh, send mm-hmm. them our way because uh, we would like this to be kind of a big tent. Uh, you know, uh, YouTube is huge for the Dark Souls community. We would like to be the podcast equivalent of some of those kind of things, just speaking uh, ambitiously and also speaking. Um, selfishly yep and speaking of uh you know in pursuit of that so putting our our money where our mouth is we have kind of two uh, giveaways 
that we have with this first episode. Um, both, um, I just kind of arbitrarily decided there would be uh, two different uh, kind of realms for that. Um, one being that uh, if you, we really want to get into that iTunes new and noteworthy um, designation. And the way we do that is through subscribers, um, ratings, and reviews. So if you like the show, we're not asking anyone to be disingenuous, but if you like the show, if you rate the show and review the show, um, then we are going to choose one of those people randomly to win a copy of the game. Now you may be asking, Gary, I already have this game, you idiot. That's why I'm listening to the podcast. Well, you know people who don't have the game. You, if you are anything like us, you've been trying to get people into the game, um, you know, and that uh, this will appeal to you. Yes. And this copy of this, the game was given to us by um, a, a fan of ours from Watch Out for Fireballs, a guy named Brian, who is a super nice dude. This is crazy generous of him. And uh, we're, you know, $40 value. We're, we're very happy to be giving away a copy of uh, our, you know, one of our all-time favorite games. Um, Brian is actually playing it right now. I'm watching him on Steam. <laughs> As we speak. So, so join the Brotherhood. Mm-hmm. Um, and the uh, the other contest we have is that, uh, and this is more um, less of an this is more of an accidental contest. <laughs> um, but the uh, uh, Cole for Christmas bought me a very thoughtful gift, which is a. Uh, uh, d- uh, Dark Souls t-shirt that shows a summoning sign. It's super rad, but American Apparel fucked it up and uh, <laughs> sent me a medium, an American Apparel medium. And I'm a gentleman of carriage. <laughs> that, that should not stand. And, and uh, So we want to give it to you. So for that one, um, just to kind of spread out our bet. So if you are a medium-sized human, American Apparel-sized, medium-sized human, um, join the Facebook group. And we will choose a random person out of the Facebook group to uh, win this t-shirt. Yeah, and we will send it to you. Just, just, just join up. Say I love bonfire, bonfire side chat, and I'm a medium person. And uh, we <laughs> yeah, will, exactly. we will put your name into a hat, and uh, we will decide. Medium shirt, extra large heart. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's that's what we like to do. And just, and we're not trying to be shilly assholes. Like, we, if you actually like it, you know, <laughs> do it. We just uh, want you. If you do like it, take that extra little step. Yeah, to to, to support the show. Yeah, definitely. So um, that's the um, kind of admin stuff for this one. There, there are other things. You know, this show is part of a network, a network that uh, you know both Gary and I are incredibly active on. Um, mm-hmm. There are other shows we've dropped mentions of it here. Uh, you know, in the past, you know, this episode. Um, but uh, we do a show together called Watch Out for Fireballs, which, uh, like this, is a video game club podcast. Think like a book club, but with video games. Um, mm-hmm. Except every two weeks, we pick out an old game, uh, ones that are suggested, ones that we uh, haven't played for a while, but we would really, really like to play and talk about. And uh, we sit down for a couple of hours and talk about it. And we get uh, listener uh, responses. It's a funny-ass show. Um, we have little skits at the beginning. Uh, it's a good time. If you haven't gotten here through that show, um, we really encourage you to check it out because it's similar in tone. Uh, same two dudes uh, hosting it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. We, we like it a lot. Yep. Um, there are some other shows on the network. If you enjoy uh, video games, you might want to check out Cole's uh, show, The Level, um, which I have occasionally been on. Um, it is a kind of catch-all modern video game roundtable discussion show, and it's you know about top of the pops as far as those go. Um, he also does a comedy show with his brother called Those Damn Ross Kids, recently rolled over their 100th episode, which is impressive. Um, I keep saying that even though The Level, <laughs> the predecessor to The Level went like, I don't know, 800 episodes? What was, <laughs> uh, like, a thousand. <laughs> yes, we, we yeah. rolled 
over the yeah. odometer to a thousand. Yeah, it was originally released on cassette tapes. Yep, we needed um, an, <laughs> our, our show needed an oil change. Yeah, um, which is why we changed <laughs> um, it to the level. Yep, it's a good way to put it. Um, <laughs> and if you like Gary and uh, the flavor that he brings, um, check out the pitch, which is a show that he does with his uh, friend Brayton, um, and uh, that is for people who like uh, entrepreneurial spirit. Um, inventiveness, ingenuity, <laughs> uh, uh, um, let's see here, innovation, blue sky yeah. solutioneering, excellence. Um, you know, they come up with ideas uh, for products that will improve people's lives. And yep. uh, the, and that way, they're contributing to the world. They're giving them out for free. And uh, we can all benefit from their wisdom. It's short. And uh, <laughs> it's, 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 uh, it's 15 minutes long. So it's, it's an easy way to take in the show. Um, if you uh, if you're interested in that, please check it out because it could use some some more support. Um, and then the other thing is, I, my my old show that I had when I first met Cole uh, called "The Idea of Ahala" is running uh, in reruns on the network, so it is non topical. It still stays on there. That's a that's a variety show. Yes. So um, if if you like me, that's a good place to go. <laughs> All of those can be found at duckfeed.tv. You know, with this, we're putting out about six shows a week on average, uh, which mm-hmm. is huge. Like that is a lot of content, um, and we really, really enjoy putting it out there. We enjoy the community that kind of springs up. So if you're new to us, welcome. If you are a returning friend, thank you so much for returning. Um, yeah. And uh, we look forward to, uh, to 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 going on this journey through Lordran and Realms Beyond with you. Yeah, and as we, we mentioned this before, I just want to underline it. Anything you think we missed, anything you disagree with us about, any of your own experiences, please jump on that Facebook yeah. and uh, and and share those with us because uh, you know we want to talk to you guys, and we'll probably read some content. We'll we'll be informed by that. Um, all of our, our video game related shows are really infu- informed by that, like idea of community or um, you know that idea of uh, games being a collective experience. And uh, having that co- that hobby in common is really important to us, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. We are all in this together, this crazy video games racket. So, uh, yeah. Yep. yep. And uh, just uh, until next time, um, we're just a, a couple of sun bros. And uh, we are here to tell you to praise the sun. Praise the sun. We all pray that we will have far more soon. Yeah, I was I was just curious. So should we say like let, let us know on the Facebook group if you're if you you know if you're a medium sized human a, yeah. a, a medium sized human or you know a medium sized American apparel human? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It almost like it fits me. It just it shows off my tits too much. Yeah, no, like, that's that, that's the problem with, uh, with with American Apparel, honestly. Yeah, so. titty shirts, man. Titty shirts for men. <laughs> they are. They expect all of us to be like grotesque, like you know, European. <laughs> These grotesque Europeans. Yeah, <laughs> 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 Iggy Pop physiques <laughs> look like beef jerky on legs. Uh, <laughs> they look like you're hollow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Iggy Pop is definitely hollow. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's gone hollow years ago. Here comes Johnny. <laughs>